0: All fans and welcome into the Thursday, July the 18th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, one week away, training camp coming down the pipe, and we've got another position to preview. We go out to the edge and talk about Miami's pass rushers on today's show. Plus, is coaching or talent more important in the NFL? Our two Dolphins opponent previews might give us an answer to that question as we look at the Buffalo Bills and Pittsburgh Steelers on today's show, and we reiterate some points made months ago on this podcast that are circulating once again. All of that and a whole lot more, but first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In. Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. The number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at LockedonFins. We'll follow you back. And Lockedondolphins.com, the home, for all of the in-depth information from these training camp guides. And last but not least, the other Locked Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked Heat Podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. another Miami Dolphins. One of the things I like to make sure that I do on the podcast is to keep you guys caught up on all the happenings around Twitter and the internet, the beat writers in general. And I saw a couple of things that I thought were worth pointing out on Twitter on Wednesday, and they go back to two points that we made, oh, I don't know, back in February, months ago. And the first one is a story from WEEI in Boston, but we had this back in January, even when Evan Lazar of CLSN Media in Boston did the emergency Brian Flores announcement episode of the On Dolphins podcast, and we discussed the work that Jerry Shaplinsky, new Dolphins quarterback coach, did on the Patriots roster over the years, and Evan told us about the dynamic in that quarterback room and how Jerry Shaplinsky basically took charge of the non-Brady quarterbacks, the backup quarterbacks, the guys they tried to develop under Tom Brady because that's a luxury you have when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the game and of all time. So he was in charge of developing younger guys, kind of like Josh Rowe. Kind of like Jake Rudock, And now we've got some quotes from those guys in that Patriots quarterback room that attributes some of the praise to the new Dolphins quarterbacks coach. First, from Jimmy Garoppolo, now in San Francisco, as we all know. He says this, quote, I can't even tell you how many conversations I had with Jerry, just man to man. Him helping me out and getting acclimated to the NFL life. I really thank him for that. I probably wouldn't be where I am without him. End quote. Then we get this, From Jacoby Brissett, now with the Colts in Indianapolis, quote, He's definitely one of my favorite coaches I ever had. I say that sincerely, end quote. And if you've seen Jacoby's Twitter timeline the last couple of weeks, you know he's a deep thinker and very likely a partaker of the sacred herb. All jokes aside, there's that. And then there's this tweet I came across about the upgrades in teaching on the Dolphin staff. Now, you might recall that I was hot back in the middle of winter when another Dolphins fan site lifted my article just about word for word regarding the focus on teaching with the new staff. It was the common theme, not just in the assistant staff, coaches on this staff now, but in the coaches the Dolphins were interviewing for the head coaching gig. Not just Flores, but Eric Bieniemy, Chris Richard, Mike Munchek. They all had quotes plastered all over the internet in my research about how great those guys were as teachers of the game. So that's a big change. That's one of the primary things I'll be keeping an eye on at camp next week. One week away from training camp, I'll be there in person to give you guys live tweets, a daily journal, and a daily podcast based upon what I see in Davey at Dolphins Camp. And speaking of training camp, let's get back into part six of the training camp preview guide up on LockedOnDolphins.com and discuss the edge players, the pass rushers on this defense and the player we're going to discuss first does require a bit of a disclaimer and a caveat in regards to what this position. Requires from these guys, or what the job description is at this position, as this edge rusher slash on ball linebacker group is kind of unique to three teams in the NFL the Dolphins, Patriots, and Lions. And of course, those guys are all either Belichick himself or disciples of Belichick. And they're going to split action between the edge rushing position, on ball linebacker, and the occasional off ball rep. And Marion Hobby's toughest challenge, the defensive line coach for the Dolphins, will be figuring out his rotation and which players are capable of the multiple duties asked of these conversion types of players. Last year, Miami's edge rushers were a total letdown, and the scheme change will ask this group to forget everything it learned last year and introduce a new slate of techniques, effective blitzers capable of buzzing the flat and dropping into the hook zone in coverage or matching up on running backs in the passing game. That's the ticket for playing time at the new edge position in Miami. And we go back to the first player who, like I said, you could just as easily put him in the off-ball linebacker category. But we start with Jerome Baker, who I think will get plenty of work and plenty of reps as an edge rusher and a pass rusher in this defense. And it's Baker's adaptability to this defense that will be one of the most paramount things on the defense going forward and a future indicator for Brian Flores' defense. Baker is fast, he has incredible foot speed, he's a savvy, gap-disciplined blitzer with the innate ability for taking the shortest angle to the quarterback, and part of the reason you worry about him as an edge rusher is that he might be a better blitzer than pass rusher, and there is a big difference. A blitzer has to look for clean gaps to run through or to occupy certain blockers, whereas a pass rusher has to engage and win with moves or speed or bull rush, a variety of things. A lot was asked of Jerome Baker last year. Some of it he handled like a seasoned veteran. Other times he looked like the 21-year-old rookie that he was. See the Chicago Bears game, for instance. But his instincts, his foot speed to outflank the stretch run game will provide a major boon for this Dolphin stop unit. I think that his workload could be dictated by the situation, we'll see who gets the primary sub package reps, but he could be the sole linebacker that never leaves the field on this defense. And last and most importantly, perhaps he has an inherent chemistry with fellow linebacker Rayquad McMillan, who we'll talk about on tomorrow's show. You guys know how excited I am for this duo of linebacker slash outside linebacker slash inside linebacker. Do everything, guys, from Ohio State. Jerome Baker, his second year in the league. He's going to be 22.7 years old on opening day. We've got him under contract for three more years at $2.4 million total over the course of those three years. So Jerome Baker could be one of the most valuable players on this roster for the foreseeable future. And speaking of value, this next guy, Not so much. I've got Charles Harris as the second one on the list, his third year in the NFL, number 90 out of Missouri, 24 and a half years old opening day, two years left, they owe him $3.4 million over those two years, and it is flat out go time for Charles Harris after starting his career with what I thought was pretty impressive pressure numbers and pressure film from a variety of positions because he played off the edge, he kicked inside in nickel pass rush situations, situations, We'll go ahead and leave that in there for the humility factor of the podcast. But he had a great start to his career and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth and then last year was even more difficult. It looked like he was thinking too much. He uses that speed and burst to push tackles upfield and win with the speed or use the counter spin move back across the inside. It just hasn't worked in the NFL. He's going to have to develop a better arsenal of secondary moves to take on contact and fight off that contact. He needs more functional strength and general awareness. Awareness in his game. He was often washed out by tight ends in the ground game last year. That stuff is not going to fly under this new defense. He could be seeing more two point stance alignments. And like Jerome Baker, Charles Harris might be one of the more important players on this defense to see how well he develops in this new defense. All things told, I see him as a rotational rusher, a guy that can play in the even fronts as a four down lineman defensive end, a 3-3 outside linebacker type, maybe come into the game for Kiko Alonso. All things told, I have him playing 60% of the snaps this season for Miami, and when we come back on the other side of the podcast, we're going to get to the rest of the linebackers and preview the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills, but first, you guys know how easily excitable I can be when talking about this football team, but that excitement doesn't limit me to just the football field, and if you need a little more excitement in your life, it's time to listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, as an on-ball rusher, off-ball linebacker, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever your number is called. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping again. That's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast about a week from now as i record this podcast on a wednesday afternoon i'll be on a plane to miami to cover training camp so So we're very excited to do that, but let's go ahead and jump right back into the linebacker slash edge defender slash pass rusher, whatever the hell we're calling it here. We're talking about Jerome Baker, Charles Harris, and up next on the list is Andrew Van Ginkle, the rookie out of Wisconsin. And if you're a fan of the podcast of my Twitter timeline of the work on LockedOnDolphins.com here at the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, you know by now that I am a big fan of Andrew Van Ginkle, number 43, the rookie out of Wisconsin. He's 24.1 years old on opening day. And of course, his four-year rookie contract will pay him about $2.8 million if he sees it all the way through. And this is one of the few picks in the draft that veered from what we developed as a main objective for Chris Greer and company this past April. His injury history is the concern. Pretty much every other draft pick has durability and reliability on their resume, and that's not who Andrew Van Ginkle is, although I think he's far from just an average linebacker, as the nickname AVG would suggest. This dude can flat out play. He's very instinctual. He recognizes route concepts in coverage before they develop because quarterbacks and offensive minds know which route concepts they're going to use to attack the defense. But a lot of times defenders don't know what they're seeing in front of them, but some players do, and they're able to anticipate that route developing, and that's what AVG does. And he closes ground quickly, and he has a penchant for taking the football away in some big spots. Now, the reason that he was available in the fifth round, on top of those medical concerns, is the limited playing time. He was only a two-year player at Wisconsin, a junior college transfer. He struggles taking on blocks. If he gets wrapped up on a block and the offensive line or tight end gets their hands on him, the rep is basically over, but a year in the weight room and some seasoning could turn Van Gingle into the next player in a long line of successful fifth-round draft picks for this team. I think he comes in right away and has a role on special teams, a sub-package linebacker role, and eventually displaces a guy like Kiko Alonso on this defense and winds up playing between 30 to 50% of the Dolphins' defensive snaps this year. Up next... A offseason signing, a darling of last year's Hard Knocks series, Nate Orchard. He's got four years in the NFL, his first with Miami. He's from Utah, where he was a pass-rushing phenom. He's 26.6 years old opening day. He's got a one-year contract worth $805,000. None of that guarantee, but I do think he'll get that money because I do think he'll make this team. He is a guy that really exemplifies the schematic shift on the defense this year. He can play the two-point and three-point stance on the line, off the ball. Orchard has an opportunity to really carve out a niche role on this football team. He's very tireless in his work ethic, finds a lot of cleanup production. That versatility is his best asset. His best season was 2017, two years ago when he registered 12 run stops and 16 pressures on 431 snaps combined. I think this guy falls in line for that rotational linebacker gig or outside rusher gig and gets himself 30% of the snaps off that edge. The next guy up is another one that I have some decently high hopes for coming over from the Packers defense. The AAF's all-time sack leader in J. Ron Elliott, four years in the NFL, first year here with the Dolphins from Toledo, 27.9 years old opening day. He's got a 1-year contract for $720,000. He's long and that length allows him to keep his offensive lineman at bay and detach at the last moment. He has the build and the experience to make a run at a job on this defense. I think he finds himself in a lot of sub-package roles on this defense this year and he could play up to 200 or 300 snaps on this defense and that's right about where he is a 20% snap taker on my projection. Up next, another AAF guy, Tyrone Holmes comes from Montana. He's 24.5 years old, has a two-year contract for $1.4 million total, and 50000 of that guaranteed. His versatility is what earned him this camp invite. Again, two-point and three-point stance, on-ball, off-ball. He's got plus athleticism and lateral movement skills, but he really struggles to hold the point of attack. He plays a little bit too high up in his stance. But he did pick up three sacks and four tackles for loss in the AAF this past spring. I think that he gets cut, but he is going to be right on the bubble around training camp. Up next and last on this list is an undrafted free agent that I am pretty excited about. I had this guy going off the board in the fifth or sixth round of the draft. Terrell Hanks, a Miami native, number 57 from New Mexico State. He's 23.7 years old on opening day. And my contract details here on the article says he has 43 years remaining on his contract. I'm going to go back and fix that because he has three years on an undrafted free agent contract. This dude can run and hit. He's athletic as all get out. 35 and a half inches on the vert, 118 inches on the broad, but he had a foot injury that dropped his 40 times significantly down to 4.98 compared to a projected on-field time of 4.5 or 4.6 in that range. His draft day nightmare could be Miami's dream. He can play off the edge. He can play inside. He's a gap-aware rusher, and he made the biggest hit at Senior Bowl all week long. You could hear the pop from the stands, according to scouts that were there. He can be a tad overzealous in pursuit, and a little bit grabby in coverage, but he has a chance to really kind of hone his skills in Miami and build up into a future role. I have him on the roster, taking about 15% of the snaps and contributing big time on all the coverage units on special teams. All things told, I think this group of players is going to be dictated by a weekly game plan. Versatility is the key. The most important players in this group are Jerome Baker and his development and Charles Harris, if he's going to be a part of the future or not. Those guys bode the most watching. I think this group will have a lot of early season struggles, but should continue or should improve rather as the year goes along. That's my hope. And that marks the end of the edge position preview here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We'll come back with linebackers off the ball tomorrow. Cornerbacks on Monday, safeties on Tuesday and specialist on Wednesday. Let's go ahead and make a swift transition here though and jump into the next team on the schedule in our 2019 Dolphins opponent previews and go to a team we're going to see twice this year. The first, a week seven tilt in Buffalo on October 20th, another one o'clock kickoff. Dolphins and Bills, they split last year. The Bills swept the Dolphins in 2017 and the Dolphins swept Buffalo in 2016. So three and three over the last three years, six games combined. The Bills are one of my picks to make a decent jump up the NFL hierarchy this season but there are a lot of factors that must fall in line with that. And we start with some of the additions on the offense and a transition from a power forward type of receiving crew to a newly built track team out there out wide. Going after the likes of Kelvin Benjamin was a struggle for quarterback Josh Allen, who has lapses in accuracy and inaccurate quarterbacks throwing into contested windows, is always going to be difficult, even with the large catch radius. Instead, the Bills pivot to shifty, smaller guys that can create separation to mitigate some of those accuracy issues that Allen has. John Brown can take the top off the defense, Cole Beasley is a damn good slot guy, and one of the most under-discussed players in the entire league is Robert Foster. Now, we had Joe Marino of the Locked on Bills podcast on a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about this, but Foster is kind of a nightmare to deal with. Over the last eight weeks of the 2018 season, Robert Foster's absurd 14.2 yards per target ranked second only behind Tyler Lockett of the Seahawks. He attracts a 128 passer rating when targeted over that span, but he wasn't just a deep threat. He caught 13 of 16 passes in the 15 yards and in range with a 63% success rate Those numbers, of course, come from Warren Sharp. We'll talk more about coaching in the next segment, but Brian Dayball might be the biggest hindrance on this team, former Dolphins offensive coordinator in 2011. In one-score games, the Bills ran the ball a league-high 60% of the time on early downs. League average is about 48%, and on those plays, Buffalo averaged 3.2 yards per carry with a 40% success rate, fourth worst in the National Football League. This led to the highest yards to gain on third down in the entire league, 8.6 yards to the sticks on average on third down for Buffalo. That is not a recipe for success. We talked about Josh Allen's accuracy issues, but once they allowed him to do his thing, the offense took off in a way and the most successful first and 10 plays occurred when Josh Allen ran the football. The same is true of second and long plays and the same is true of second and medium plays. He was the offense down the stretch. And he gets the help at wide receiver, but also on the offensive line. I thought Cody Ford from Oklahoma was the steal of the draft in the second round. Getting Mitch Morse at center in free agency was one of the best offseason acquisitions this entire spring. This offense is going to be better, and the defense is well coached. They're stockpiling talent. The unit on defense has improved in all metrics every year under Sean McDermott's tenure. The young linebacker duo of Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds is so good, especially Milano who does not get his due Ed Oliver was a steal at pick number 9 they've still got Jerry Hughes but need another edge rusher off the other side so Tunzel can probably blank Hughes and then the other edge rusher we'll see we can deal with that their safeties are pretty scary as well Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are terrific as is Tredavious White their perimeter corner on the outside this team is a tough out I think the Finns could pick them off in the November 17th game, week 11, another one o'clock kickoff. I won't predict a win in Buffalo because, well, outside of the best game in recent Dolphins memory back in 2016, the best Christmas ever, your boy turned up that night and popped champagne the following night when KC beat Denver to put Miami in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to find a win in Buffalo. I'll give them a win in the game at Miami, so another split with the Buffalo Bills. And with that, we're going to take our last break and come back on the other side of the podcast and talk about coaching versus talent, as well as the Week 8 opponent, Pittsburgh Steelers, next Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I put up a poll on Twitter on Wednesday afternoon asking about what is more important, the coaching or the talent on an NFL roster. And there is just so much that goes into what changes games and outcomes at this level. And the poll right now is at a pretty much dead heat, 52% in favor of coaching, 48% in favor of the talent on the field. And the reason I brought this up was one, the Warren Sharp magazine is so enlightening and telling you what coaches can do to improve their team or how to hinder their team. There's just so many things with scheme and player marriage, putting their guys in a position to succeed, there is a lack of talent disparity at this level. And so that's why coaching tends to make the difference in those close games. And we know this ourselves because Ryan Tannehill was always a 12 personnel quarterback. Two tight ends, play action heavy, utilize the defense's aggressiveness against them. I think everybody mostly knows that. Yet this team was constructed last year to suit Adam Gaze's 11 personnel heavy offensive attack. And prior to the bye week, this team ran 86% 11 personnel. Now that calmed down after the bye to 65%. But still, fit the scheme to your players, not the other way around. And that's what Gaze did. And we all know how bad some of the plans Matt Burke drew up under his time here in Miami. But it could be worse. You could have Keith Butler coaching your defense with a pretty good roster that perpetually fails in the postseason. I'm talking, of course, about the Dolphins' Week 8 opponent, the lone primetime game of the season this year. On my birthday, as a matter of fact, October 28th on Monday Night Football at 5, at 8.15 Eastern Time, I should say, at Heinz Field against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know they lost Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Obviously, that's huge. The offensive line is still great, but check this stat out from Warren Sharp. From 2009 through 2013, the Steelers' offensive line ranked 21st, 24th, 12th, 21st, and 24th in both pass-blocking and run-blocking efficiency, and then Mike Munchak arrives. During his five years, they go 10th, 8th, 4th, 4th, and 10th, well... He's gone again now, coaching in Denver, so will they regress back to the mean? We know about David DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey and Ramon Foster. Those guys have been there forever. I would kill for that kind of stability on the interior offensive line here in Miami. Andre Villanueva is a damn good left tackle as well, and they figure to run the ball successfully, facing a projected bottom-five run defense across the NFL schedule this year for that team. But that's going to be their main objective in this game, attempting to run the ball down the Dolphins' throat. And I've been saying this for a few years. Some believe it, some dispute it. But Roethlisberger has been in decline for a couple of seasons now. They throw more quick hitters and non-thinking type of passes than anybody in the NFL. In fact, nobody threw more passes behind the line of scrimmage than Ben Roethlisberger last year. Not even Adam Gaze's offense for all of those that hated the screen game in Miami but perhaps all of that could be gone without Bell and Brown here's a great stat on paying running backs again from Warren Sharp a very relevant discussion topic today in the National Football League from 2005 through 2017 the average running back salary on a Super Bowl roster counted for 2.5 million dollars against the cap Marshawn Lynch was the highest at $8.5 million in 2013, but they also had a third-round rookie quarterback to help offset those costs. So the argument is that, are they better off with James Conner, Jalen Samuels, and now Benny Snell than they were with Le'Veon Bell? I like that trio, so I guess we'll find out. Juju Smith-Schuster is back is he going to be able to beat bracket coverage and or the opposition's best cornerback? I think the Dolphins will double juju and use X Xavier Howard on James Washington and try to lock them out that way. That's what Bill Belichick would do. So here is the most disparaging stat that encouraged the poll on Twitter. To tie together the entire coaches versus talent argument, Keith Butler has been the defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh for four years, and he just doesn't get it. You'll recall my Lawrence Timmons film study from 2017, of course, if you've been with me that long, showcasing him running 20 yards down the field, chasing Chris Hogan in the playoffs that year. Inexplicable. Last year, he was at it again. After opening a 23-7 lead over the Chargers, the Steelers wound up covering Keenan Allen with a linebacker with more frequency than any other linebacker on wide receiver matchup in the entire 2018 season. We're talking about Keenan Allen here, arguably the best route runner in the entire game, easily the best slot release in the game. He goes for 14 catches. 14 catches for 148 yards and a touchdown in that game and a huge comeback win that ultimately knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs. Unbelievable. As far as the roster goes, there aren't many major changes. The big one was the first round trade-up to go up and get Devin Bush, a spot I thought Miami might entertain a trade down with Pittsburgh in the draft. They're hoping that he can be the new Ryan Shazier. Get well soon, dude. Terrell Edmonds is a total liability on the back end. Cameron Hayward wreck shop up front. Javon Hargrave is a problem at nose tackle, and they picked up Mark Barron to supplement the linebacking crew that's led by TJ Watt. I actually think Miami matches up well here, and I'm going to predict an upset win in primetime on the road. The reason for it is that coaching. Miami gets its primetime win and everybody gets stoked on Brian Flores and company because of the years of losing in primetime. The Patriots regularly outcoach the Steelers, so I think Miami can too. Miami wins on a buzzer beater from Jason Sanders. And that is a great spot to wrap up today's show. I'll be back with you guys again tomorrow. All of you, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at LockedOnFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, a mailbag edition, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, everybody.